there is a bone in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bone in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices, and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 4, ESV. Hello and welcome to... The Balm in Gilead podcast. I'm Grant Baker. And I'm Brian Emerson. And we are coming to you live, recorded, from both Oklahoma City and St. Louis, Missouri. Today, we have a great show for you. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the uh, uh, personal story of a man named Zach Williams, who you may have heard of. And we are also going to be looking at a couple of different songs and comparing them one to another Uh, and around the topics of why are things wrong in this world and what can we do to make things better. So we have quite a show for you, so let's get started. I I said on a previous episode uh, that I uh, went to church with Zach Williams for a little bit, that I was almost in his praise band. So that was kind of a fun story I tell some people, that I was almost in his band, but it wasn't the same thing. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but I did get to, I, I had many conversations with him one-on-one. I got to hear his testimony firsthand and it really is an amazing story. He was a singer songwriter in a secular band. He was touring worldwide. He was doing everything that you would think that rock and roll stars were doing. Um, and he was basically throwing his life away but he had a faithful friend that was a member of his band that would uh, just try to keep him on track, try to keep him out of too much trouble, would share the gospel with him as often as he could. And eventually the fruit of his labor paid off and uh, he was convicted of his sin. He repented. He quit his band. He joined a church, uh, got plugged into their music ministry, was, uh, made a music minister at that church, wrote 
a few songs caught the attention of a uh, of basically a, a record producer um, who stuck his neck out, took a chance, brought Zach to Nashville, made his CD, and he won a Grammy on it. So it was a uh, is a really really cool story. He's a really cool guy. And as we go into his story uh, that he wrote called Rescue Story, um, I, I wanted to remind myself more than anyone else that Zach Williams is a real person with a real testimony with, uh, and he is truly, deeply a legitimate Christian and uh, only, only doing what he's doing because the Lord reached down from the pit of his despair and pulled him out. And uh, it can be really easy for us to look at words on a page and judge people, uh, especially when we're actively critiquing their music and uh, holding it to the Bible uh, as our standard. But I need to I need to be reminded, first and foremost, that I don't need to judge people solely based on these words. And I would hate for people to be judging me based on solely on some things that I have said um, if I did not take care uh, when writing my words. Um, and so I just wanted to throw that out there to begin because I think that that's an important thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, and so uh, He's kind of like the anti-Kanye, sort of before Kanye became a Christian, Zach Williams became a Christian, rock and roll, Oh yeah, hip hop. You know, music scene. Yeah, yeah, and and so his conversion experience, while not as, uh, not as prominent, because he was, you know, he was basically a kid from Northeast Arkansas that only his diehard fans knew who he was, but his story was no less legitimate, no less the same as Kanye's. Yeah, I, I see what you what you mean. Um, and so this song. Rescue Story is really his kind of artistic way of, of explaining his journey. And, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the whole song and then we'll uh, talk about um, talk about things that jump out of us, jump out at us that are really good. Some things that jump out at us that are uh, that could have probably used some work, maybe some explanation. There I was, empty handed, crying out from the pit of my despair there you were in the shadows, holding out your hand. You met me there. Now where would I be without you? Where would I be, Jesus? You were the voice in the desert, calling me out in the dead of night, fighting my battles for me. You are my rescue story. Lifted me up from the ashes, carried my soul from death to life, bringing me from glory to glory. You are my rescue story. You were writing the pages before I had a name, before I needed grace. Singing songs of redemption, because every time I ran away, you were louder than my shame. And you never gave up on me. You never gave up on me. You are my testimony. So that is, uh, that's each of the sections of the song. I didn't repeat the chorus, but um, yeah, so that was, that is, is his song. So what are some of your initial thoughts well, I like that he starts out, there I was empty-handed. Isn't that where we all find ourselves uh, at one point or another? Um, 
prior to where, you know, where we have, where we finally realized that we have nothing to offer God. Yeah. You know, and then he goes on from there. It's like, oh, God, you were, you were there. You were, you were there. You were holding out your hand. You met me there. Uh, and it shows that giving all credit to God for any mm-hmm. kind of uh, his salvation, anything like that. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing that jumps out at me in the positive is he gives 100% of the credit to God in this song. You were the voice in the desert calling me out from, from the dead of night, fighting my battles for me. Uh, you lifted me up from the ashes. You carried my soul from death to life, bringing me from glory to glory. You are my rescue story. That chorus is just so powerful. And, and it's, it is this, this overwhelming image of God doing all of the work and God leading him from death into life. And, and I, I love that. It's, this is a really, really good poetic way of, of explaining all of that for sure. Absolutely. Uh, he also talks just about the what you were talking about there, fighting my battles for me, um, bringing me from glory to glory, all biblical images um, from Exodus and from, is it Colossians? Uh, I'm thinking Colossians. Probably. I'd have to, I'd have to check myself there. Um, from where we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Yeah. And uh, so it's a, like an ongoing rescue. It is. In, in, and I, I like that about this. The the one particular included line that gives me any sort of pause is the line "Before I needed grace," um, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I know Zach enough to know that this is either a misspeaking or it is um, like before I knew I needed grace. Um, I, I do not believe that he does away with uh, original sin. Um, I know that his pastor taught original sin because he was also my pastor. He's also my parents' pastor and my parents very well agree with original sin. Um, and so I, I would be, I think if I asked him, you know, what did you mean by this line? He would probably say before I knew I needed grace, which, by the way, is how I sing it when it's on the radio. Um, I just threw in the word before I knew I needed grace. Works just fine. But um, yeah. Uh, but that said, I, I kind of wanted to elaborate on that line a little bit uh, and just kind of take it where it goes. Um, you know, was there ever a time that I didn't need grace? Was there ever yeah. was there ever a time that he didn't need grace? And there's several different ways to look at it. You can take the stance of there if what if there isn't original sin? Then at one point in time before I ever sinned, I didn't need grace, but then I sinned and now I do. So if that's what he believed, then that line works for it. But if that's not what he believed, then maybe he meant, you know, at before I had a name was before I was born. So if we look at that time of, you know, you were writing the pages before I was born and before I was born, one, I didn't have a name, two, I didn't need grace yet because I haven't, I wasn't born. Um, you know, I, I think that King David would disagree with that 
when he said in sin, I was conceived. So at the moment of conception, I was a sinner. Um, but before then, did he need grace? Before he was even conceived is at a time that he didn't need grace. And you, you can take this all the way back to the infralapsarian versus superlapsarian argument of, was there ever a time in redemptive history that we did not need grace? And at some point in time, um, before Adam fell, he did not need grace yet. And so if you take this all the way back, the line before I needed grace, and the whole point I'm saying all of this is, while this might be a confusing line into the mind of what he believes, it doesn't discredit the gospel at all. There was probably a time before God made Adam, before he created his plan, back when he was when the Trinity was just having fellowship with himself before any plan was created, I didn't need grace yet. And God was still writing the pages. And so this is still true. Um, so as crazy as, as I would have, I would have done this line a little bit differently, but it's, I would say that this is not any sort of line that leads toward any sort of false theology. And I just wanted to point that out because I know that that's like the one line that is like, eh, I don't know about that. But if you take it, if you take it to its conclusion, ultimately it's harmless. Yeah, but how many people there in the church pew are? I, I, I'm assuming you're singing this as a worship song. I don't know if this is one that you do as a worship song. It's um, not one I, I do as a worship song. See that that way, but before I needed grace. I'm even wondering, like, is our don't you see our very existence as an act of grace? Oh, absolutely. Common grace for sure. But I think that he's probably talking about saving grace. But even then, um, yeah. But I mean, if you take your grace, you know, the basic definition of grace, sure. which we've all heard is, you know, what we don't deserve it, from the newsboy song of course god's riches right? at christ's expense well there's that too but the in, in the newsboys version of the <laughs> their song from uh going public uh grace is what we don't deserve um and they they break down grace and mercy yeah are, are you tracking yeah i am i like matt yeah. i like matt Teeson's line the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair yeah yeah uh, but yeah, I, I guess just what I'm ultimately getting down to is like, I, I wouldn't sing this song as, as a worship song. This song is a personal testimony to God. I mean, it's, this is yeah. a personal worship song. There are churches that sing this. I guarantee it. But um, as a type two song, uh, I don't think that the line is harmful. Like it's not making any sort of truth claim that is opposite of scripture. This is not making the truth claim that we are born uh, without a sinful nature. Like the, you can't get that from this song. People will read this song and they will try to interpret it through that lens. But what I'm just trying to say is those four words don't say, I discard the idea of original sin. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's fine. If you do, we can disagree on something. Ultimately, <laughs> I would have sung it before I knew I needed grace. 
yeah. Also, uh, before we move on to the next song, I did just want to say one more thing. And this okay. is about an omitted word, an omitted line that was not in this song. He does not ever say sin. He says darkness. He says shame. Um, mm. He says death. Um, I would have rather he said the word sin somewhere in this song. Uh, I, I hate it when when p- people talk about their testimony without using the word sin. I, I do think that it cheapens their testimony. Um, and like fighting my battles for me, what were the battles? If you don't have mm. that that foundation of his battle with sin, you know mm-hmm. what were the ashes? What caused the ashes? Sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what what caused the death that he's coming out of? Sin. Without mm-hmm. sin, the rescue just seems a little weak. And so right. that's that is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, in particular, I just think so many songs would be better, would be stronger if they use the word sin. And, and especially oh, if they if they defined sin, not just throwing out the three little letters, but but painting a picture of sin as well. Um, I, I actually like it when I like it when a song paints a picture of sin, at least even if it's not going to use the word sin. And I don't think this song quite does that. But that said, what is in the song is really good. I would add, I would have added that one word before I knew I needed grace, um, but I, I do think the song would have been a lot stronger had it mentioned sin. What are the battles? What are you rescued from? What are the ashes? Because those could very easily be conceived by many people, I would think, yeah. as things that were done to you uh, in the situation that you find yourself in. The important thing to remember as Christians is that not so much that we are rescued from a horrible condition that we are but harmless victims of, uh, but that we actually perpetuated the sin. We perpetuated the darkness and the ashes, and you were the cause of it. The battle is against our, our sin nature. We yeah. are, by nature, we are enemies of God. And what is so amazing about the Christian gospel is that God actually came down and before the beginning of time called us out and said, no, this one's mine. And then uh, that, that promise, of course, being fulfilled in Jesus Christ and giving him uh, self in our place uh, for us. But he did not come to uh, rescue from these ashes that we just happen to find ourselves in. So I definitely understand that, uh, that, that quibble. Yeah. And speaking of that, I'm just, I'm I'm looking, I'm actually looking at the next two songs that we're going to kind of go over because we need to move on. Mm -hmm. But the next two songs, I'm I'm just looking over them real quickly. Neither of them mentioned sin either. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, Yeah. Neither of the next two songs mentioned sin either. Um, and, And I will say all in all, I like the song Rescue Story. I think it is a good song. I think it has one questionable line that really does not perpetuate anything false. It could have been a little bit stronger if it used sin. All in all, I like Rescue Story. I'm going to move on to... um, Go ahead. Just one quick, uh, and I promise I'll make a brief, some in-the-moment live feedback. Uh, Glory to glory. I was thinking of 2 Corinthians 3.18. 
Second so, Corinthians three eighteen. Uh, not Colossians at all. Anyway, so it's it is the, those are you know one of the books is very long and one is very short. <laughs> so it's easy to get them confused. Gotcha. Gotcha. It has okay, nothing to do with it. They yeah. start with the letter C. They both start with C. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Maybe I just, yeah. No, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You're, you're good. I, I, I didn't even have that. So you're. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next song is called Prize Worth Fighting For by Jamie Kimmett. It's, uh, it says, Lately, been down so low. My faith seems to come and go. Some days, Father, I don't know. How did my love grow cold? But you help me see again, this world is not the end. Jesus, my sweetest friend, you're worth the suffering. Your love is my reward. Your love is my reward. When every day is just another struggle, and every choice is an act of war, gotta pray, gotta press on to the prize worth fighting for. When it feels like I'll never make it, when my heart's crying out for more, gotta pray, gotta press on to the prize worth fighting for. The battle rages on. But your promise keeps me strong. I know I'll win this race with your unfailing grace. Jesus, you're worth my all. Uh, the f- all right. Yeah. The first time that I heard this song, uh, all I could think about was uh, was kind of a works-based relationship in a, in a works-based salvation. But the more that I listened to it, the more I... I I believe that this song is trying to battle antinomianism. And uh, antinomianism is the false belief that we are no longer bound to the law. We no longer have to obey the law because we have grace. And so the trickle down is, you know, we don't we don't need to fight for the good fight. We don't need to strive hard after Jesus because we already have him. Because That's right. And, uh, and so I really, I, I think that this song is, uh, is an attempt to really combat that view of, uh, of antinomianism. Yeah, no. And that's an important point. And also something we're going to talk about kind of in the main section, you know, what, what are things, uh, what are, what's wrong with the world? What can we do to make things better? And this song, the, kind of answer that it might have for that i think you're right you know it is battling antinomianism Uh, and we'll talk about this i I don't know how much you want to say about it right now but there's there's a reason that let me back up i was in a conversation with some coworkers lately and it came around to that well christianity is just a way for people to be good right i mean that's the whole point and they were shocked to learn that that's not what we believe at all, uh, that it's actually uh, much deeper. Uh, <laughs> there's a real problem between yeah. us and God. And uh, that is the main thing that Christianity is about. Yeah. And uh, in, in this song, uh, you know, the end goal of life, like the end goal of what humans are, are trying to achieve is a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus. And, um, you know, to answer the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, you know, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 
this kind of falls under the enjoyment part. You know, to have a close relationship with Jesus is to enjoy him. And, uh, and that's what this song is about, is that Jesus is the prize worth fighting for. Um, but I think that the really important phrase that really holds this whole song together is, but your promise keeps me strong. And what is the promise? I know I'll win this race. Um, that he's pulling from the scriptures of, you know, of run the race to win the prize. You mm-hmm. know, Paul tells us run the race to win the prize. And uh, the prize worth fighting for is Christ. And so the truth claims of this song are that, um, that any promise that God makes he is also going to keep. And that is a very important, uh, a very important uh, truth claim because it makes it to where this isn't, this isn't just something I'm doing because I want to do it. It is something I'm doing because God has asked me to do it. He has promised a specific outcome and I need to have faith to press on. I need to have faith to do this. And, uh, and, and, and uh, I, I really think that this song, I, I think it's it's good in that respect. It's it's very uh, good in that it isn't just calling people to do work for the sake of doing work. That would mm-hmm. be legalism, which is kind of the, it's not necessarily the opposite of antinomianism, but it's the pendulum swing on the other side. Um, and just to kind of give a kind of a brief summary of it. Legalism would be like saying, I have to do the law. Um, Antinomianism would say, I don't have to do the law. Um, And so where there doesn't seem like there's a lot of room in the middle, there is a fine razor edge in the middle that is, I get to do the law. There you go. And that is where true Christianity resides. And if you read this song through that lens of I get to do the law, then it is a beautiful song. Um, Two things. One, doesn't say sin. He talks about fighting. He talks about war. He talks about pressing on. Uh, He does talk about praying, which is also something that's very good. Uh, Praying is step one in the fight. Uh, I, I think that more songs need to talk about that but he doesn't talk about sin. The song would be a lot, uh, a lot stronger if it did. Um, but another big thing is uh, in the second verse, in the second verse, it says, I know I'll win this race with your unfailing grace. And I just really wanted com- to commend him for using a different three syllable adjective for the word grace. He could have just as easily had said with your amazing grace, but he didn't. And I'm so happy that he didn't because there's more than one word that can describe God's grace. Plus there was a whole song about amazing grace. Yeah. Um, that Phil Wickham song. Yeah. 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 That's the one. So I'm just, I'm very glad that he used a different word. Uh, I think more people (laughs) need to come up with better words to describe God's grace. That's, that is uh, wonderful to see uh, when songwriters kind of go beyond the expected and yep. uh, to touch the sublime. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe and, it doesn't rise that far, but it is um, 
it, it really it fits into the the idea of surprise that I talked about, like with surprise yes. and prosody. Using a different word than is expected is very right. surprising, and it keeps you mentally engaged. There you go. Uh, exactly. And so, uh, so let's move on to our kind of our, our final pre-show song, and uh, this is called "With Lifted Hands" by Ryan Stevenson. And and I've got to say that Ryan Stevenson. I don't think I've heard any of his songs. I just was like, blah. Every one of his songs I've listened to, and I'm like, man, I really dig that song. So he's on my like my list. I've got a list of people, like of and of uh, bands. That's like when this when this band comes on or this uh, artist comes on, I can kind of turn the do- the knob down because they have earned a reputation with me that their stuff is is on the a different scale than someone else's. That doesn't mean I don't go through it line by line, but it, it's, I know that I can enjoy it on first listen. And so, uh, so Ryan Stevenson says, I, it's with lifted hands. I have tasted all that this world has to offer the here and gone that leaves you wanting more, but can't satisfy father. Forgive me for taking so long to see that you are all I need. With every heartbeat in my chest, Lord, I surrender all that I have. The days yet to come, the days in the past, I'm giving you all I am with lifted hands. You show me mercy when I've done nothing to deserve it. You see the best in me beneath the dust, because that's how you love. That's how you love. You rush through my veins, I'm wrecked and I'm changed, and my soul will sing. Heaven or grave... There is no place I can go to escape your love. So uh, that last line, especially in the bridge, that is uh, very clearly from uh, Psalm 139, um, where it says, you know, where can I go to escape? I can go to heaven or I can go down into Sheol, but you are there. And, uh, and so I, I do appreciate the the nod to the Psalms and that connection there. And so uh, the there is a buzzword that's in here that I, I typically uh, rubs me the wrong way, and that's the word surrender. Lord, I surrender all that I have. Um, surrender is one of those words that can mean multiple things, and um, in, in this particular sense, I think he gives it enough. Uh, I think there's enough uh, pre- uh, preceding the word that you understand which which version he's talking about. And in, in, uh, specifically, you can surrender by just giving up. Like you can say, like you could be winning, but you're tired, and so you can surrender. Um, or you can be cornered, and you have no option but to surrender. So the enemy forces has you cornered, and it's either lay down your weapon or be shot. And um, the the latter is more like how salvation works. I do surrender. I do turn my life over to God. But it's only after I have no choice because he has thoroughly uh, beaten me already. Um, it's not the... And that is the from the Reformed or the Calvinist perspective. The more Arminian perspective would be, you know, I... Uh, I have all of my choices before me and I choose to surrender. Um, and I really think that when looking 
at this particular song, he's already tasted and he's seen all the world has to offer. And he already understands that the world has nothing that can satisfy. And he's already engaged with the father, you know, forgive me for taking so long to see that you are all that I need. And so now that that's, I only have that one option with every heartbeat in my chest, Lord, I surrender all that I have, not just my past, but also my future. I'm giving you everything. And, uh, and so the with lifted hands is the visual acting act of surrender. Sure. Um, now, go ahead. How do you feel about the hymn? I surrender all. I surrender all. Um, I surrender. I surrender all. All, all to thee, my, my blessed Savior. I surrender, surrender all. all. Okay, we won't yeah, subject you to that to again. It is over. Yeah. Yeah, we'll cut that. Um, that particular song is one of those that actually has a lot of um there's a lot of people that don't like that song because of the buzzword um i think babylon b had like a a remixed hymnal and it was i surrender some yes (laughs) i uh that that was a great article yeah and so it 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 is very enlightening as well because we uh don't ever fully surrender everything um because we are still sinners, we still hold on to our sin. We will surrender everything. Uh, and so we're kind of in the already, but not yet. I have surrendered all, but I haven't. Uh, I have only surrendered mm-hmm. some. And so I, I, when it comes to that particular word, there's some other words as well. Victory is another big one. Um, oh, yeah. That I, I like them to be parsed out. I like there to be some, like this has an entire verse that explains what he means before he says the word surrender. And so if you're going to use the word, you have to be careful. You have to, you have to define it because it can be defined in more than one way. And you have to also explain um, what you mean by it. It's, it's not a word you can just throw out and then move on from. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to actually explain it because it can be really confusing otherwise. And I think that he does a really good job with it. Um, this, the hymn, I Surrender All, uh, it's it's not like the most deep doctrinal song. Um, it comes from a time where songs weren't very deep and doctrinal that a lot of people call them good old hymns, but they're not that old. And, um, and they're also not that good. Other than that, I, I, I wanted to also echo that he doesn't talk about sin. And I think that's a very... Uh, big issue. Um, he also talks about rushing through my veins, and I'm pretty sure he's not talking about heroin. <laughs> Pro- probably. Uh, otherwise, we got to call Caleb and let him know. I don't think that Caleb cares. Um, but no, that was just that was just a reference to a previous episode. If you have not listened to all of our episodes, go back and listen to the previous episodes. There's, there's only like five. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, kind of wrapping up this kind of pre-icebreaker song reviews. I wanted to do these three song reviews, and, and I think every four episodes I want to do like two to four songs just kind of in this rapid style where we don't necessarily go through line by line, but just just so that we can put into practice 
what we have been talking about. And then in every eight episodes, I want to take two songs in particular and really, really dive deep into them and uh, look at them line by line, go through our full list of questions that we asked in episode three and um, and really just get to the heart of these particular songs. And uh, this particular first song, it's, uh, it's by a band called Need to Breathe. And I believe that this song was featured on the soundtrack for the movie The Shack, if that says anything to you. Uh, yeah. And... I'm gonna go through. We're gonna we're gonna read it. Uh, I'm gonna read maybe four lines and then kind of go back and and talk about each line in particular. So we're gonna go through the song a little slower. Um, and previously in an episode we talked about colloquial language. We'll hold on to something because this song got a lot of it. Let's, let's just jump straight. Did you just use colloquial language? I did. There too. I try. I used exp- probably more colloquial language than I needed to. Uh, kind of okay. like, kind of like this song. Um, it's called "Hard Love," and it features Lauren Daigle. Um, it says trading punches with the heart of darkness, going to blows with your fear incarnate, never gone until it's stripped away. A part of you has gotta die today. Um, and this particular, this is like the kind of first verse or verse one, a, um, starts off trading punches with the heart of darkness. Uh, heart of darkness is not defined. Uh, yeah, or, or well, I think the whole line is a little difficult to understand. Yeah. It at least anyway. is defined in the next line with going to blows with your fear incarnate. So heart of darkness is defined by fear incarnate, which mm, mm-hmm. is not defined. Um, so we have these. Well, it's different for everybody, maybe. Right, and and so we have these. These two lines are more or less identical. It's the it's it's the idea of saying the same thing again but a different way. So trading punches is the same thing as going to blows. Uh, with the heart of darkness is the same thing as your fear incarnate. And so we know from Poetic Device that Heart of Darkness and Fear Incarnate are the same thing because trading punches and going to blows is the same thing. Uh, We know from the song that it's never gone. We're assuming that either the it's either the battle or the enemy is never gone until it's stripped away. And the shocker, this is the clickbait part, is a part of you has got to die today. Um, there is a whole lot of vague imagery. Uh, mm. we, we have the, the, the concrete imagery of, of a fight, but we have no idea what in the world we are fighting. There is, or who's fighting or who's fighting. Yeah. It doesn't say I'm trading punches with the heart of darkness. It's just trading punches with the heart of darkness, going to blows with your fear incarnate. Okay. Well, you, maybe you that assume helps. You assume it's me because it's my fear incarnate. Um, and so uh, it's, it is not a first person song. So it is not, or at least at this particular point in the song, 
it's not first person in that like i love you jesus or i am afraid of this thing it's it is a third person uh though it's very there's a lot of understood subjects in this song um and i believe it was uh brian wolfmuller from uh table talk radio when he reviews praise songs he talks about uh, fra- uh fragments a lot he talks about how you can't tell a complete truth with an incomplete sentence and specifically uh talking about um you know, when you leave holes in the sentence and they get filled in by what you bring into the song. And so there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of understood, like I'm assuming that I'm the one who's trading punches with the heart of darkness and that whoever is singing mm. is singing this to me to tell me something. Uh, but that, that last are the, it never gone until it's stripped away. That's probably one of the more confusing lines. Cause I don't know what in the world he's talking about. I, what is, I don't know what stripped away means unless Mm-hmm. it's um it is stripped away it is i guess a part of me so never gone until it's stripped away it being a part of me because a part of you has got to die today but i don't know what is never gone um yeah maybe the fear incarnate so i i i'd even like to talk about the fear incarnate what do we mean by by that so incarnate is according to the dictionaries, especially of a deity or a spirit. So fear is a deity or a spirit, apparently, yeah. and it's embodied in flesh. Uh, so, you know, um, like Jesus is uh, God incarnate. We sing uh, that in some Christmas carols occasionally. Yeah. Um, so fear incarnate is... It's fear coming to life, I think is what he means. And he is probably... And embodied in... I don't... I mean, it's probably a very poorly worded talking about fighting Satan. Probably. If I'm going to give this the most gracious read that I can, I this is a song about spiritual warfare. Pro- okay. Probably. Uh, going to blows with your fear incarnate. If you, if you give it the gracious reading of this is Satan that I'm fighting against, uh, then... That is- don't think that has the same meaning as incarnate. Like yeah. incarnate would have to be embodied in, in something or someone, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that's what it, like, uh, are these other people we're talking about and that we're afraid yeah. of? I mean, is this... if, if I am deathly afraid of pit bulls, right. And I find myself face to face with a pit bull. I could be fighting that. I could be fighting my fear incarnate. Like, right. Uh, going to blows going to so blows to i'd be going to blows with my fear incarnate and or so, trading punches yeah trading punches and then heart of darkness sounds like a sort of pseudo biblical terminology to talk about satan um i what i don't okay what i don't think he's talking about like i just don't get this vibe from the song i don't think he's talking about temptation to sin not really. Mm-hmm. I think right. I think that he is taking it a step further. I think he's talking about Satan, like physically fighting spiritual warfare, making me the victim of spiritual warfare and not the villain of the story because I sin and reject God. Like, I don't think he's talking about temptation to sin and fighting against temptation. Um, unlike uh, 
Jamie Kimmett, who doesn't talk about it, I do think he's talking about fighting temptation to sin. Um, in his uh, prize worth fighting for, what are you fighting? I'm fighting sin. Um, I don't think in hard luck he's talking about that. Uh, but let's let's move on to the next four lines. Uh, maybe that'll give us an answer. But okay. I, but I might have to wait until the morning. Because in the morning you gone need an answer. G O N uh-huh. apostrophe. In the morning you gone need an answer. Ain't nobody gonna change the standard. It's not enough to just feel the flame. You've got to, you've got to burn your old self away. Um, so uh, there's still a whole lot of stuff going on here in the morning. I don't know what the morning means with anything. I don't know if that's significant or not. You're going to need an answer. So maybe soon you have to figure out a riddle. I don't know. Ain't nobody going to change the standard. When I think of standard, I think of the Bible. Um, that's a, it's another word to talk about. The law is the standard of which we have to live up to. Uh, Mm. so ain't nobody going to change the standard, meaning, uh, we still have to live up to the Bible. I don't know how that relates to any of the previous lines in the song. Uh, it's not enough to just feel the flame. That's another one. I don't know what he's really talking about, but this is one of the clinchers that really, uh, this is the next line is a truth statement. You've got to burn your old self away. Um, this is a truth statement. He is saying that this answer, this thing that we're fighting for, you know, of, of all this stuff, you have got to, I'm fixing the colloquial language, you have got to burn your old self away. Um, and so this is undeniably works-based language. I have to get rid of my old self on my own. It is my responsibility. I have to do the work to burn my old self away. Uh, it's not that it's still not defined. Like it's still not defined as like, there's no actual like salvific language being used yet. And so in the most gracious reading of the song, verse one, talking about spiritual warfare, verse two, talking about, you know, my answer the standard, so looking into scripture to find out what I need to do to fight Satan. It's not enough to just feel the flame. And so I, I can't just like pretend, I guess. You've got to burn your old self away. Even in the most gracious reading, this is talking about a workspace salvation. Um, so we go into the chorus. Hold on. Well, t- oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, okay. When I first read through this myself, though, I, I actually was like, it's not enough to just feel the flame. I was thinking that, hey, you're right. It isn't enough to just feel the flame. It's not enough to just, you know, have a little bit of uh, you know, excitement or some sort of raw emotion well up within you. And that is your feeling of salvation. I'm feeling saved today because yeah. of course our, our salvation is not based on our feelings. And so if that's what that's saying, I'm, I'm on board with us. Yeah. We're, so with it, we're, one out of eight. I kind of, well, where I kind of fall off the boat there is again, you've got to burn your old self away. So I was thinking maybe 
charitably, that could be a reference to Romans 12, 1, where we're to be living sacrifices. Um, but the the part about it that really bothers me is the you have to do this. Yes. Um, so if it's up to us, what hope is there? Yeah, there is no hope. If it said your old self has got to be burned away, mm-hmm. that's different. It's different language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that you've is the one right. word that's in there that really throws the wrench in the plan. Right. Um, so take, but take that and relate to the last song of the first uh, quadrant uh, sure. or quad of lines or whatever. And a part of you has got to die today. Right. You've Passive got to bring voice. your old stuff away. Yeah. The, the, the Hopefully pat- the whole self dies away. Right. I mean, yeah. just a part of you has to, got to die you know right, so there's yeah. some good you're kind of like this mix of good and bad and good and fear incarnate or something like that maybe and just just a bad part has got to die away i mean yeah who's to say and uh, uh and, and i'll say that need to breathe this is not a unique song to them as far as this confusing language um they have plenty of other songs that have really questionable theology in it um that you really have to like sift through and look at it and be like, Oh wow. That's uh whoa. That's talking about a uh, conditional election. So uh, what do we do with that? Um, but I think that that becomes when we move into the chorus, uh, there's a lot of really interesting things about the chorus as well. That, that does not help to alleviate that last line. It's uh, it says, hold on tight a little longer. What don't kill you makes you stronger. Get back up, because it's a hard love. You can't change without a fallout. It's going to hurt, but don't you slow down. Get back up, because it's a hard love. Um, yeah, it's definitely... There is no mention of God at all. So far, so far in the song, and looking ahead, there is no mention of God at all in the song. Um, and so this song, uh, does not mention father, son, or spirit. It is all me versus the darkness. Um, so hold on tight a little longer. What don't kill you makes you stronger, which by the way, was originally penned, not with all this colloquial language and probably in German by Frederick Nietzsche. He was the one who came up with the idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And uh, he did not like God very much. Oh. Yeah. And so I find it very interesting that the writers of the song chose not to quote any scripture at all, but did choose to quote an atheist and to bring in this atheist philosophy into a song about spiritual warfare. Um. I think that that is very telling. Um, it's, I mean, it, it's, it has become a, an American colloquial um, saying. I mean, it's very cliche, but it's a, but its origin is in atheist philosophy. Um, so that's, that's important. Uh, get back up because it's a hard love. Uh, so, you know, pick yourselves up, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps because it's, mm-hmm some weird thing called a hard love that is not defined by the words in the song. Um, well, their keyboard is Josh Loveless uh, mm-hmm. actually explained what 
hard love meant. And I don't know if this is really going to shed much light. We'll put a link to this in the show notes, of course. But new release today, uh, I guess, was interviewing him. And he said, quote, lyrically, we always like to write a song about real life situations, about something happening to us at the moment or that happened to one of us. We're all away from our families a lot. I just had to leave my three-year-old son and tell him I was leaving for a concert. It's the least fun part of the job, and it's a hard love. It's not easy. You have to fight for it, and the people you love are where you find real joy. When it's hard love, it's worth it, end quote. So that's what keyboardist Josh Loveless said about uh, how he would define hard love. And what's kind of confusing to me is um, what's the part that he's fighting for? You know, he's fighting for his three-year-old son. He's fighting for his his love of the job. Uh, and that's where I guess it gets a little bit confusing for me. Yeah. And uh, and I would I would say, you know, I, I, I can get that, that this hard love, you know, um, I'm honestly – one of the reasons why I personally didn't ever try to pursue a career in, in musical performance is uh, I, I didn't want the lifestyle. Um, I, I did, I did think about it for a long time. There was actually a time, you know, very recently, a little more than a year ago where I thought about going professionally into songwriting to just trying to break into that. Um, but I knew that it was going to leave me with one, of two options. Um, one was going to be, I was going to have to go on tour and leave my family. And I just, I, I didn't want to do that because it was hard. And, uh, that, uh, would have been too hard for me. The other option was going to be, I was probably gonna get stuck in, uh, co-writing sessions with people that I just did not agree with. Um, people like need to breathe or, um, Corey Asbury or, you know, other people that I just didn't agree with their uh, theology at all. And I knew that that just wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be able to make the compromises that I would need to for that job. Um, so that said, I can get how that would be a hard love. It would be very difficult to leave your children to go on the road to do a concert. Um, all right. But what Josh Loveless is saying here then is that you don't love your child as much because you didn't have to fight for it because you didn't have to fight for that hard love and you decided not to do it. So he says when it's a hard love, it's worth it. Right. And, uh, and so what, again, yeah, what you're saying is, is absolutely true. You can read into that, that yeah, I don't love my kids as much because I'm not willing to do the hard love. But I would say that, uh, the hard love for me is the music. You know, I love music, but it's, it, it was uh, I love my kids more, and so it, it was it was hard for me to say no to that music. Uh, but you know, it's, I, I get what he's saying. But the problem is, uh, what is the hard love in the song? Get back up because it's a hard love. What are you giving up, or what are you fighting for in the song? Um, you know, what sacrifices are you making in the song? And it's not clear, especially given that that particular definition, uh, get back up, uh, cause it's a hard love. Um, and the, the chorus goes on to say, 
you can't change without a fallout. It gone hurt, but don't you slow down. Again, get back up because it's a hard love. And uh, fallout would be, I guess, I think nuclear, war. nuclear, nuclear, yeah. nuclear war. Yeah. Um, yeah, but even then, you know, a fallout could be like a, a falling out, uh, you know, a relationship, you know, just the the crater after the bomb, um, <laughs> so to speak. But you can't change without a fallout. Uh, it, it's going hurt, but don't you slow down. Uh, get back up because it's a hard love. I don't know what he means by any of that. To be completely honest, it's it's all uh, it's all imagery that's vague. It's all imagery um, that's like almost concrete. Like it's 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 an almost image. Each one of these things, you can't change without a fallout. So you can't you 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 can't move on unless you are parting ways. It's it's going to it's going to hurt. But you have to keep going, get back up because it's a hard love. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that almost connect that almost make sense, but then they just don't. And uh, I, what I really think is going on uh, in this is I think that he is almost intentionally trying to make you have to turn your brain off. Because these are a lot of different lines that are that don't make logical sense, but they paint an emotional picture. They 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 connect with you on an emotional level, and he wants you to follow it so so closely emotionally that um, you have to you have to turn your brain off to understand it, and that's that is a very dangerous world to live in when it comes to music uh, we've mentioned it a couple times already but it is <laughs> grace gracefully graces me um, this issue of speaking exclusively to the emotions in a way that shuts out the mind completely i would say disregards john four to worship in spirit and in truth and this is going straight for the spirit in a very charismatic sort of way. And when I say charismatic, uh, I, I mean it in like the hyper emotional, um, like the emotion for the sake of emotion way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so it, it can be a really dangerous place when you when you turn your brain off and you just go with it. Uh, that is that is disregarding John four. It is basically saying, I don't care what God wants, what kind of worshiper God is looking for. I'm going to worship Him the way I want to worship Him, and uh, and that is that is a direct violation of the the regulative principle of worship. Um, but let's let's move on because we have a, another verse and a bridge before we oh before we move there's on. There's more. There's more. Um, this is the part where Lauren Daigle comes in. She says, uh, you know, the situation can't be right and all you ever do is fight, but there's a reason that the road is long. It takes some time to make your courage strong. And it's that last line that I think is, is one that 
really, really drives home. It takes some time to make your courage strong. Um, on, on face value, what this line is saying is that uh, it's very important for your courage to be strong. You know, it takes some time to make your courage strong. And so cur your courage being strong is the goal. It is, it is the most important thing. And it's, we know it's important because it, you have to invest into it. Um, but this, this is where, uh, you know, the, the whole, my, my whole issue with fear really takes, uh, takes hold. Um, it's, I get so triggered when, when a song throws out the word fear and in this, it, what it is saying is it takes some time to make your courage strong. Courage is, uh, the answer to fear. If you have courage, then you are not afraid. Um. But there is a theology that is floating out there. Uh, it, I believe it originated the, with Bill Johnson. He's the, uh, he's the kind of the senior pastor at Bethel Redding um, uh -huh. in California. And uh, what he says when he talks about repentance, he defines repentance as um, thinking the way that God thinks. Uh, to basically to go back and and make your thinking i think he even like said a phrase once like to to think in the in through the lens of the kingdom or i just well didn't he even say like try and define it like re back but then pent was like penthouse uh, yeah and... penthouse being up yeah so, right uh, it makes total sense yeah and so <laughs> If you go back to the to the penthouse where God lives and think like him. I mean, it's like his whole, like even when he explained the whole repent thing, it still doesn't make any sense how he gets to this. But if what that means is all we have to do is, um, is get past our fear and we can be thinking like God thinks. And if we mm. can just get past these hurdles in life and think like God thinks, then that checks the box off of repent. And, uh, and then all you have to do is believe and you're saved. And so in this lens, if you can conquer your own fear, that is how you are saved. It has nothing to do with forsaking your own sin. It has nothing to do with dying to yourself to picking up your cross daily and following him. It just has everything to do with uh, with training your mind to think a certain way, which is honestly really bizarre since they work so hard to uh, to avoid thinking, like to avoid engaging their mind in things. And maybe that's part of it. Like maybe it's like a if they can hypnotize themselves in such a way to where they no longer fear, then that is the way of the kingdom. But that's, but that is why this is, is so dangerous. That is why this line, it takes some time to make your courage strong. If you are working hard, if you are, you know, putting your nose to the grindstone and investing mm -hmm. into this, into mm -hmm. this courage that once you have that courage, you can overcome your fear, your fear incarnate, then you can be saved and you can have this quote unquote 
gospel message without ever talking about sin, without ever talking about Jesus or God at all. It's, it's just very new agey and it is, uh, in a lot of ways, it's very pagan, um, but it's not Christian. This song is not a Christian song. Um, I think you have to mention Christ at least a little bit for it to be considered Christian. Yeah. I mean, that is a pretty big requirement. I would say, uh, just even looking over, you know, Jonathan Edwards wrote a book called a treatise concerning religious affections. And some of the things he mentions in that are not signs of true, you know, true religion, true uh, love for God are things like, uh, well, the very first one is it's no sign one way or the other that religious affections are very great or raised very high. So just because you're really excitable and, you know, really energized or whatever, or really moved in, in, in your spirit kind of thing, like you're, it doesn't mean that it's real. And so, uh, when you're saying like, um, cause there's a burning in me, uh, in the last kind of stanza, that's not a sign that God is at work in your life. That's a sign that maybe the pizza you ate, uh, <laughs> is giving you heartburn, you know, something like that, but it's not a certain sign that God is actually at work in you. Yeah, that's, that is Sola feels to, uh, who, who coined, <laughs> who coined that by the way, was, was that, um, was that Dr. White that coined that or is that someone else? I know that. I do not know. I'm not real. Uh, well, the Babylon Bee mentions it. Yeah. Well, Babylon. Progressive evangelical leaders meet to affirm doctrine of Sola Fields, October 26, 2016. <laughs> nice. So it's older than that. Older and I'm sure that. Babylon Bee is riffing. Yeah. Babylon Bee is definitely riffing. I know that it it is highly used in the pub. Um, I know that Summer White uses it a lot. Um. I think that Dr. White created Narcissus. I think he coined that. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one yet. <laughs> well, you know, like exegesis is when you right. take the text and you go out with it. Eisegesis is when you have an idea and you bring it to the text. Narcissus is just when you read yourself in the Bible. <laughs> Are you David? I'm not David. Oh, okay. Okay. Just, just no, I'm curious. Brian. <laughs> So, bringing it home, uh, we get to the bridge. The bridge gets a little bit weird. Uh, a lot of it because it switches from second person to first person. Um, and so, whereas the rest of the song is you, 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 uh, it switches to I in the, in the bridge. It says, I will face him all. Yeah, it says, uh, Stand my ground. When the wolves come and hunt me down, oh. I will face them all and stand my ground because there's a fire burning in me. They will see my strength in this love I found. Hmm. Uh, again, there is absolutely no mention of God. There's no mention of the work of Christ. There's no, right, mention because it's all up to you here. Anything because when the wolves come and hunt me down, I will face them all and stand my ground on presumably on my own strength. Uh, right, because, because as there's a you fire know, uh, in me. there's a fire, 
And also you took some time to make your courage strong and nothing killed you yet. So you're just stronger and you got back up and you're holding on a little tighter. Yeah. Cause it's a hard love. That's a hard love because, because he had to leave his three-year-old to go sing this song. I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand what he meant by that. Um, but well, and how that made it more real somehow. That's, that's the part that I keep trying to drive home is that, it's only real love if you if it's if it's like demanding um like that you 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 choose against it every now and then you know what yeah. i mean like right so there's looking at this whole song um i guess the wolf the wolf is probably fear incarnate okay um, all right maybe. well we finally got that one solved maybe so like and it's talking about like bringing this back to biblical imagery when i think of a wolf I think of the idea of a wolf in sheep's clothing, or I think of mm. a false teacher. Uh, so when mm-hmm. the false teachers come and hunt me down, I will face them all and stand my ground. So there's a fire burning in me. And it's a fire that you can't, it's not enough to just feel it. You have to burn your old self away. So it's pulling back from that image. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's this idea of, the fire that's burning in me is one that I am current. I'm using of my own strength to sanctify myself. Um, they will, they will see my strength. So the false teachers will see the strength and the, this love I found probably the hard love that is only found when you leave your three-year-old to go sing a rock, a rock concert. Right. Um, like if if that is what they're talking about, or maybe they're just using a wolf because it's a scary image. Uh, it's it's hard to say. None of this really connects with scripture at all um, in any other way. So none of this none of this really really makes any cognitive sense. And, and I think I really do think that's the point. I think that he's just trying to 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 reach for your emotions. Um, and as far as scripture goes, the only one scripture that I felt that this remotely tried to kind of pull from um, is it from Hebrews 12, uh, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And so looking at this particular lens, let's just give this as charitable a reading as we possibly can. This is going to be a, the the long jump charitable reading. Let's say that the wolves are the sinners uh, who pursue Christ with hostility. So when these wolves come and hunt me down, I will face them all and stand my ground, my ground which is firmly rooted in Christ. As mm-hmm. I see his endurance, I can endure. And that is the fire that's burning in me. And when they see the strength and this love that I've found. So when they see my endurance in the foundation of Christ and in his endurance in the cross, then that can be a witness to them. 
that's, it sounds that's like my you're isogeting their text. I am isogeting their text. Absolutely. Yes. Um, no, yeah. And you, like you can, you can take what they wrote and you can make it fit into the scripture, but you're exactly right. This is that's just eisegesis. It is not an exegetical reading of Hebrews 12 set to music. Um, and may I, you know, bring up point number five uh, from Jonathan Edwards. Sorry to keep doing this, but okay. it is no sign that religious affections are truly holy and spiritual or that they are not, that they come with texts of scripture remarkably brought to mind. So just because you're remarkably bringing this to mind and it kind of sounds like it might fit, doesn't mean that it fits. It right. doesn't, you know, and and, I've, and I guess maybe that's your point too. <laughs> right. And, and, and I've said this before, and this is, this is a defense that a lot of people have of Christian music. And, and I think that this is very important to address here. Um, a lot of people will say that this song or songs like this minister to them because it might possibly bring to mind this type of scripture. I might listen to the song and it just somehow reminds me of this scripture of, of Hebrews 12, one to three. And, um, and I am ministered uh, because of the scripture, but I attribute it to the song. Uh, and and, I, and I've, I guess the, the blanket statement that I've said in the past is, I don't believe that anything apart from scripture can truly minister to you. But any medium that reminds you accurately of scripture uh, can be the vehicle through which the scripture ministers to you. And so this song could very well minister to you if you are already approaching the song with an understanding of scripture. And um, in, in reality, it's the scripture that is ministering to you. But it can be confusing to those that, that don't have the, their discernment muscles exercised. So with that said, would you lead this song in church? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I've never been asked to lead this song in church. I have been asked to lead another uh, need to breathe song in church. And I refused. Um, you needed to breathe is what you're saying. I, I needed to do something. <laughs> um, so I've got, a, got a few questions for you. Okay. Is the law not promising? I'm going to be able to answer them. <laughs> is the law accurately represented through the mention of sin? And man's fallen condition, God's holiness, justice, and wrath, and man's desperate need for salvation. Uh, that's a negative, Ghost Rider. That is a negative. Sin is not mentioned. God is not mentioned. So his holiness, justice, and wrath aren't mentioned. Uh, I would say man's desperate need for salvation is touched on. Um, it's, it's touching. Yes. It, is, it, it is kind of possibly talked about um, especially if you realize through the song that oh i can't hang on a little longer i can't i'm you know i'm in desperate need without a savior right um if yeah you come to that yeah it's i'd say that not necessarily desperate man's desperate need for salvation but it's man's desperate need to hold on to something um yeah uh, so another question, so, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say is the gospel accurately represented through the mention of Jesus Christ, his completed work and his free gift of grace. Uh, that is also a negatory, uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> okay. not mentioned his completed work, not mentioned. 
Uh, Your completed work is. So yes, my well, it's my workspace salvation. It, it's it's honestly my incompleted work. It is my. Uh, it's it it might possibly be about sanctification. It is talking about a work that I continue to do, but it never even alludes to that work being anything other than of my own doing. Um, And so his free gift of grace, not mentioned. Um, And would you say, is there any discernible specific scripture that is accurately represented? Um, I'm also going to have to say a negative, although like you said, you can kind of read back into it, maybe Hebrews 12. But but is that even accurately represented? It's a weak, weak connection no i would not say so yeah it's it is a sad day when scripture is thrown out the window and uh and atheist philosophers are embraced so it didn't do well on law and gospel or scripture but what about beauty like do the lyrics utilize poetic devices form and mnemonic to grasp for objective beauty and memorability um i say you know poetic devices you know, we do have rhyme, we do have, um, you know, we do have meter, so we do have poetic devices working for us. We have images, but the images are not concrete. An image doesn't have to be concrete in order to be poetic, um, but the images do not help to tell a story. They honestly distort more than they do anything, and so they do not actually... I would say that that as far as objective beauty, no, this is not seeking for objective beauty. It is it is seeking for a, a heightened state of emotionalism. Um, so half point. Uh, I'd say that the, that they're that they are utilized, but they are not utilized toward objective beauty. So I I wouldn't give them a half point. Um, quarter point. Maybe maybe quarter point. <laughs> um, and uh, does the music utilize prosody and surprise to grasp for objective beauty and memorability? Uh, you got to remind me of what prosody <laughs> means. I'm going to no, learn it one of these days. Prosody is, uh, is everything working together to tell the same story. Is the tone of the song, does the... Um, does the balance of the song do the do the actual words of the song and the music of the song does it all work together to tell a single unified story and uh in my opinion mm, yeah kind of yeah i mean Come it's in, in a way it does um it is unified i mean it all is it's just the wrong story i would say it's, i would argue it's a very high energy um you know, it's like trying to motivate you into doing something, holding tight. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it is a motivate very, you to hold tight. The the lyrics and the music do, I'd say, work together in trying to motivate you into a heightened state of emotionalism. Um, but as far as objective beauty and memorability, uh, no, the, the the song is actually really boring as far as the music goes. It hits. It starts like at a nine and then cranks up to a 10 and then maybe pulls back down to an eight for the bridge. Uh, so I mean, it's just very high energy the whole time. There's not much going on. Uh, workout jam. Yes. Workout jam. Worship song. Absolutely. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. 
that should be a game we play workout jam or worship song <laughs> worship song <laughs> that'd be amazing all right yes get those submissions Mark it down. in <laughs> excellence are the lyrics crafted creative clever and clear in a way that show discernible care and attention to word choice grammar and syntax well there was that one word that might have that might have been one of those no this song as far as excellence in in lyrical writing this is this is awful um they don't like words they don't like sentences they don't like concrete images they don't uh they don't like anything clever i mean there's this is unoriginal this is uh hard to understand it is just bad and by bad i mean not excellent um I don't mean that in the moral sense of the word. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to love. It's, it is hard to love. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, however, what about the music? Is the music crafted, creative, clever, and clear in a way that shows discernible care and attention to melody, chord structure, and basic music theory understanding? Well, you're obviously the expert here, but... Uh, in my opinion, if you're performing at this level and getting paid to play it, um, it's past that basic, that basic level. Uh, it's definitely much better than anything I could play. Um, I will tell you that. Uh, but what would you say from a semi-professional musician perspective? Um, I would say, like, as far as music theory, there's nothing special going on with the song in a music theory stand. Uh, like, they, there's no, like, modulations or even um, special uh, chords or or anything like that going on in the song. Um, as I said earlier, it, it's kind of boring in it from a music standpoint. It kind of starts at a 9, cranks up to a 10, drops down to an 8, Um and uh, it's just loud and moving, just constantly. Could the all-star guy sing all-star to this song? Probably. Yeah, he could probably take this. It's. I think it's just one, four, five, six. I mean, it, I think it's just basic chords. Um, it's boring to me. To to the art, to the artist, it's boring. And uh, and I think that when we bring something to the Lord, we need to. We need to forsake commercial appeal and seek an audience of one. Uh, that was, you know, what I talked about in the first episode. You know, when the the problem is when we are trying to become popular, we are looking for man's uh, man's approval, and we aren't seeking God's approval. And so that's that's what is going on music theory wise in this song. Well, thanks for your professional opinion there. That helps um, set that a little bit straighter. Um, I'd be curious, this is a side note, but it would be really interesting to just, maybe we're doing this already, I can't remember, but dissecting the chord structure of most popular worship songs. Anyway, um, so truth. Do all the truth claims line up with the truth of scripture alone? That is a no. Um, the truth claims in here are uh, really opposed to the truth of the scripture, um, specifically in the lines, you've got to burn your old self away, and it takes some time to make your courage strong. 
Um, these are truth claims that are very works-based, that go against uh, what it says in Ephesians 2, that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of works. Um, you know, this is... It, no, the, the truth claims in this song don't don't line up with, with the scripture at all. Okay. But Well, what about... Yeah. But does this song call you? Does it call the listener toward doxology, mission, or fellowship? It calls one to hang in a little longer. Um, don't be killed because that's how you're going to get stronger. And to get back up and it's all up to you. And hopefully you can face down the fear incarnates of your life. So we scored a 0.25 out of nine. A 0.25 out of nine. Yeah, that's not exactly a strong, strong score. It's no. Not the strongest, strongest I've seen anyway. No, no. I would say that that was, uh, that song, you know, and, and I've, you know, I told you earlier, I chose that song in particular because it, it fails so so miserably on on my personal scale of of rating songs and uh but i also wanted to compare it to another song that i know spoiler is not going to fail as hard um and a lot of that is because since this is the first episode that we're doing these this comparison i wanted to pick like a real winner and a real loser um just so that we can kind of understand how we do this there will be songs in the future that are a little more complicated a little bit more nuanced but uh, i would like to go ahead and just jump straight into this next song and it is uh it's by big daddy weave it's called alive um and it is basically uh he took ephesians 2 uh and just personalized it and set it to music so I am going to go ahead and uh, start reading this one. It says, I was dead in my transgressions, wandering in sin. I went searching for redemption down a road that had no end. So right out of the gate, he, uh, he drops the S, the S word. What? And, yes, sin. Um, oh, the three-letter word. Yes, yeah, that one. He uses the word I uh, in this, but he uses it, I would say, correctly. I was dead in my transgressions, implied I was wandering in sin. Uh, I went searching for redemption. So in my work, in my personal search and of my own effort, trying to find redemption, which is, um, you know, which is the uh, man's need for salvation. Um so you would only search for redemption if you felt a need for salvation. Uh, on my own power, it was down a road that had no end. So it was on my own. I I, I can't find it. Um, so that's that's good. That's good. I, mm-hmm. I I think he's he's off to a good good start. Uh, I was walking through the fire. I was living on the run, with my flesh lost in desire. I was drowning in the flood more eyes more more me um but i was 
walking through the fire. I was living on the run, and with my flesh lost in desire, I was drowning in the flood. Um, walking through the fire and drowning in the flood, I feel are very biblical images of uh, being of God's wrath. Um, drowning in the flood, especially, um, I think of of Noah, um, especially since it says the flood, not a flood. Uh, walking through the fire, I think of, you know, on the last day, everything's going to be burned away. I was living on the run. This is, you know, I know that I have done something bad. I am being pursued by the law and I am doing everything that I can to avoid it. Um, I like that he uses the word flesh. It's a word that's not used as much, but it is a very biblical word, um, that it was lost in desire, um, very strong biblical images, uh, very accurate depiction of um, of sin and of justice and of uh, a need for salvation. Um, and I love this chorus. This is just a this is just a beautiful chorus. But God, rich in mercy, you came to save me. Now I'm alive. But God, strong and mighty. You reached down for me so I could rise. Now I'm alive. Uh, Only quibble is so I could rise, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think that uh, Ephesians 2, 6, it says, and raised us up with him and seated, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I think that's where he's getting that, you know, rising from the dead, rising, um, you know, being made alive. And, and being raised up with him, you know, those are that is still a biblical image. Yeah. But I, I can I can see what you mean. And in today's culture, but it says raised us up, yeah, not so I could. I, I don't know. Yeah, the way that's the way that it's phrased. Yeah, I, I I can that that is a fair quibble. But I I can see where he where he's coming from as well. Um, it switches to you. You know, with me, when I am at the reins. My, I am just in disaster. But God, when he, God is in the reins, I am mm-hmm. saved uh, mm-hmm. because I can do nothing of my own. Um, I just, I really, I really like this song. Uh, it's much, much different song than than Hard Love. Um, I like how in the first verse it's about you know pre-salvation, but in the second verse, uh, narrative-wise, it's post-salvation, but it is already but not yet it says uh i am far from being perfect there are days that i regret on this battlefield i struggle with the lies that i have lived i have fallen short of glory i can't make it on my own if you kept record of my past i'd be sinking like a stone so this is uh it's a still this is post salvation uh he is still you know i don't know about you Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. I don't. You know, I, I, I still struggle. Uh, well, I uh, accepted Keswick theology, and I haven't struggled for three years now. Hmm. And, and I'm just kidding. Have you read that? Is have you, not a true statement. Have you read First John? <laughs> <laughs> uh, once a long time. Once a long time ago. That uh, was that was yeah. more than three years ago. Is that where that was covered? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, no, that's, uh, I think, an accurate picture of all of us. Yes. Huh? And, and, and I love that. I love that it's not, 
all puppies and rainbows after we get saved, which a lot of CCM music, um, you know, isn't truthful. It's, it's, you know, like the song, I want to go back, you know, it's, uh, you know, I want to go back to this time where things were great. You know, it's like things were never, yeah. things were never great. No. Uh, you were just, <laughs> you were just oblivious to them. Um, you know, I'm far from being perfect. There are days that I regret on this battlefield. I struggle with the lies that I have lived. I like how he actually says what he is struggling with, uh, as opposed to, um, you know, some of the previous songs we've talked about today, uh, where it's just this vague fighting. He is fighting with lies that he has lived. And when I think of lies in particular, I think of, I think of Genesis three, um, Mm-hmm. And specifically, that is, you know, facing the lie that I know better than God, the lie mm-hmm. that God doesn't, God is withholding from me. Um, and, you know, those are the lies that it's the same lie that Satan's told every single person. And it's the one that we all so often choose to believe. And on this battlefield, I struggle with the lies that I have lived. Um, you know, those those are the same root lies. And what that is, mm-hmm. is temptation to sin. And so he is struggling with the temptation to sin, and he admits that he loses from time to time. Uh, he's fallen short of glory. We at Romans 3.23, you know, I can't make it on my own. And if you had kept record of my past, I'd be sinking like a stone. Again, we get this image of drowning in the flood. Um Ironically, I think that it's doing a better job with Hebrews 12 than the other song that we said, Hard Love. Yeah. I mean, it's saying, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and yeah. let us run with endurance to race that is set before us. Absolutely. And, and I love, though, how he artistically gets this. He goes back to the chorus. You know, narrative wise of the song, it begins, he's lost, and then he. He meets God, and God in his mercy saves him. Then we get this uh, this verse of post-salvation continuing to fail. And then we go back to the same chorus. But God, rich in mercy, you came to save me, now I'm alive. But God, strong and mighty, you reached down for me so I could rise, now I'm alive. It's this continual sanctification. You know, it's this, I can remember God and his attributes and his rich in mercy and his strength and his might. And it can, and it helps me because I can see, you know, going back to, to uh, Hebrews 12, because I can see him as my example, I can continue uh, the race. And uh, I just, I just love that. And then we get to the the bridge. The bridge is really simple. Uh, there's a lot of depth in the verses and in the, and in the chorus, the bridge is a lot more simple. Uh, it says, no, I'm breathing in, breathing out. I was in the grave, but God, you called me out. He repeats that line. And uh, I think that he earns a really simple line uh, with all the depth. You know, he gives you something uh, a lot easier to digest, but it's still very strong. Uh, it's a very strong image of life. You know, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. I was in the grave, but God, you called me out. And um, the way that he words that I think of the story of Lazarus, how God, mm-hmm. how Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. I also think it's important um, to, to tie that to the second person of the Trinity. When you use the word God, 
it's a it's a general word. It often refers to the first person of the Trinity. And there's no reason why that can't be the second person of the Trinity, which is important because I had mentioned earlier, you can't really have a Christian song without Christ. And um, in the chorus, when he says, but God rich in mercy, he's directly quoting Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And, um, and so there is a strong tie to Christ in that passage. But when he says, but God, you called me out, he's tying the whole song to Christ through the, through the Lazarus narrative. And I think that that's it's important. He didn't, he may not have said Jesus Christ, or he may not have said son of God or anything like that, but it's clearly, clearly uh, alluding to the second person of the Trinity. Yeah, it is. But are we doing the same thing that we did with hard love when we're reading that in where maybe it's not deserved? Uh, but you're saying it is deserved because of the direct relationship to Ephesians 2? I'm saying it is it is uh, directly in there because of, because of Ephesians 2. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm reading Jesus into this song. Uh, specifically because there's a lot of, um, you know, this song is, there are lots of words and phrases being pulled from Ephesians 2. I mean, he clearly is is drawing from that passage. And the, and the passage of scripture clearly talks about Jesus Christ over and over again. And, uh, and so not every song has to talk about Jesus. I think every song has to um, clearly allude to Jesus. I think every song should say Jesus. Um, but in here he is, he chooses to quote the scripture verbatim as opposed to saying Jesus, but God rich in mercy. And I think that that is, is equally valid of an option. And, um, and he could have said, I'm now breathing in, I'm breathing out. I was in the grave, but Christ, you called me out. Um, but I think saying God was fine because that's what he said earlier in the song. But that's, again, my opinion. And my opinion is errant. And if you disagree with Brian, tell us on our Slack channel at slack.techreformation.com. <laughs> so, Brian, let's run this one through the same test. So... When we look at the law and the gospel as represented in the song, is the law accurately represented through the mention of sin and man's fallen condition, God's holiness, justice, and wrath, and man's desperate need for salvation? Um, once or twice in the first line, and then more continue out through the, through the song. So yes, heavily. All right. It, it gets a point. So is the gospel accurately represented through the mention of Jesus Christ, his completed work, and his free gift of grace? Uh, as I mentioned, I believe that Christ is mentioned um, when he says, God, you called me out. Um, and his free gift of grace, you know, absolutely it is talking about, uh, you know, rich in mercy, you came to save me, now I'm alive. That is grace. Um, so yes. As far as... Um, you know, the completed work of Christ, it doesn't, it doesn't quite mention, it doesn't talk about the, the cross. It doesn't talk about uh, Jesus' blood or sacrifice or anything like that. And so, you know, I could 
you know, I, I could say it might lose a third of a point there. Um, but I don't think every song has to hit every single point in every single thing. It does definitely talk about the gospel as far as um, Christ alone being able to save us. And, uh, and it does that very well. You've already alluded to it, but as far as scripture, is there any discernible specific scripture that is accurately represented? You know, I mean, I'm just not quite sure. Uh, let me <laughs> let me go through this one just just real quick and see if we can find any correlations. It says, um, "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom." We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is... Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 10. Nice. And as we've alluded to the entire time we've been talking about this song, yes. 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 It, yes. There, there, there is discernible, specific scripture accurately represented. Yes. Heavily. Uh, but what about the beauty? I mean, do the lyrics utilize poetic devices, form and mnemonic to grasp for objective beauty and memorability? Absolutely. There's a, there's a very good rhyme scheme in here. Um, and it's, it's a strong rhyme scheme as well. Like there's, there's different levels of rhyme scheme. Um, like you can have like a B C B, which would be that you have like four lines and only the second and fourth rhyme. You could have a, a B B, which is like the first two lines rhyme and the second two lines rhyme. Uh, Neither of those are strong rhyme schemes, but the strongest rhyme schemes are A, B, A, B. And that's what this one has. It says transgressions, sin, redemption, end, fire, run, desire, flood. Um, and those are some slant rhymes in there, which is which are fine. Slant rhymes are perfect, perfectly fine rhymes. Some people will disagree. Uh, my wife has a degree in poetry, and so that trumps whatever you think. Um, oh, that's how you're so smart. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, in uh, the second verse, he uh, he switches to an A B C B, and so there's not a strong rhyme scheme in the second verse. Um, but that's that's fine. I mean, it it it's a uh, it's still a good. It still has the the good rhyme and it has good uh, rhythm. Uh, as far as mnemonic, this is one that uh, it's one of those things that I, I threw in there because there are times where it makes sense, but then there are times it doesn't make sense. 
what I mean by mnemonic can be seen in the line, I was drowning in the flood. That is something that was, it's a very simple line, but it pulls the entire story of Noah into your memory. It makes you think of what was the point of the flood. It is God's, uh, his um, immense judgment of sin. I mean, he, he killed every living thing on earth except for one family and enough animals to repopulate the earth. I mean, this is a God has has not since shown his judgment uh, that much. It, he will, and that is something that is kind of frightening. But um, you know, it's that that is pretty like that drawing to your mind. That is a mnemonic device um, that. I think does grasp for objective beauty and memorability. So what about prosody? Does the music utilize prosody and surprise to grasp for objective beauty and memorability? It, it does. I would say that this song musically is still a little bit on the weak side. Um, it's just, it's one, four, five, six, just like um, hard love. But where hard love kind of hits strong and stays in like one spot, this one does have some variation. Uh, there is a moment in the bridge that I really, really liked. It's, it's hard to really describe, but um, they do this thing when it does the repeat of it where everything drops out just for a moment, just for like a beat. Everything is silent, and then it comes right back in real hard. And that was a really cool, surprising little thing. Um, Prosody-wise... Uh, the verses are more minor. The chorus is more major. That is, that is what you should expect through prosody in this song, because the verses are talking about struggling with sin, and the chorus is talking about how God is awesome, and forgives us of our sin and saves us and uh, makes us alive, and uh, and so those those chord progressions are what you would expect uh, from a prosody standpoint. So yes. Uh, not the most interesting of songs, but it does utilize um, prosody and surprise. So maybe a half point. Yeah, sure. Uh, so excellence. Are these lyrics crafted, creative, clever, and clear in a way that show discernible care and attention to word choice, grammar, and syntax? Yes, um, it, they, they really do. Um, they're uh, in. I, I talked about fragments in uh, the last song um how mm -hmm. uh there's just a lot of fragments like you don't even really know who the subject is mm -hmm. you couldn't tell if it was talking about me or someone else until you know like four lines into the song um if you look at like the first the opening two lines i was dead in my transgressions wandering in sin wandering in sin is a fragment however this is a properly used fragment what i mean by this is when it because it immediately follows a complete sentence i was dead in my transgressions wandering in mm -hmm. sin um, yeah it's almost like linked to there's it. an understood i was uh, he earned the right to give a fraction because you already know who the subject is and what the verb is or what the like, yeah what the being verb is i was dead in my transgressions wandering in sin um you are allowed to give fragments in that exact um uh, 
in that exact way because you, there's no confusion. The point of not doing a fragment is it causes confusion. There's no confusion in that line. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, but this is, this is uh, very crafted. It's very creative. He uses lines. Uh, he, he's pulling from the text, but then he's making it his own. Uh, he is choosing which words uh, to keep in the text and which words to change and make personal. Um, I, I love the, the line, uh, with my flesh lost in desire, I was drowning in the flood. That may be my favorite line in this song uh, because it is so personal, but yet it is so pulling directly from the scripture um, and, and drawing so much more than just you know a handful of words. It, it, he did a very, very good job. With, uh, with this song. So what about the music part of it? Is that crafted, creative, clever, and clear? Um, yeah, it, it is. As I said, it's probably a weaker point of the song. It, this is a very commercial song. Um, the, the chord structure uh, is boring, for lack of a better word. Uh, it, it doesn't, there's not much going on that is... Um, that is, I would say, special. As far as like the the production of it and the way that they're doing it and the 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 flow of it, it is not distracting. It does uh, support the the text, and that is more. It's more important to support the text than it is to create something incredibly fascinating from a music theory standpoint. And so, crafted, creative, clever, and clear, cl- uh, clear, absolutely. Uh, crafted absolutely creative and clever maybe a little less okay fair enough another half point yeah (laughs) so truth do all of the truth claims line up with the truth of scripture alone verbatim yes um this is heavily yes uh since this is so tied straight to this particular scripture I don't think there are any truth claims in here that aren't like a direct quote from from scripture. And, and I think that's great. Uh, I think that's, that's the way that it should be done. Awesome. And finally, action. Does this message call the listener toward doxology, mission, or fellowship? Uh, what this song calls us to um, is, is doxology. It, in most, uh, most praise and worship songs will call you to doxology that's that's the the point of them and it's the content of the song that is the worship um and what is going on in here is we get truth about god but god rich in mercy you came to save me now i'm alive but god strong and mighty you reached down for me so i could rise now i'm alive um and so that rising and that being alive the, the purpose of being alive in Christ is to is to worship him and um, and so when I when I see this song I see things that he regrets things that he uh, places where he has fallen but when he looks at God he knows that God sees past that because God sees Christ and and that brings him to to sing about uh, to sing about God and his goodness and uh and so that is that is doxology so that, that's what's going on I, I i do believe that this song follows the psalm model 
the psalm model really talking about you know being honest and open with with my shortcomings and praising God for who he is and how he has uh, how he has saved me you know rich in mercy strong and mighty those are very psalm like words so this is definitely of the psalm model and uh and I and I think that most praise and worship songs should be. I would also like to mention that this is not necessarily a praise and worship song. Um, I have not sung this song in church. I don't think that this song really lends itself to congregational singing. Uh, there are churches that sing it, I'm sure, because there are churches that sing anything that's on the radio. I'm sure there are churches <laughs> that have sung hard love. Um, and, uh, but this is not a song that I would necessarily consider to be a congregational praise and worship song. However, it is very deeply worshipful. And I think that that, you know, so I would still consider this to be a type two song. Um, but it is, it's a very good type two song and it is very personal and worshipful type two song. And so not every type two song needs to be, but it, it definitely falls into that model for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's what the experts here at Balman Gilead have to say about these two songs. Uh, but if you want to have your say, you can join us at slack.techreformation.com where you can sign up to join our Slack channel and discuss this episode and many others all on the Balm and Gilead channel. So run out and do that right now yeah, we'd love to have you absolutely and just remember that when nothing else could help love lifted even me there is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole there is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin For listening to the Balm and Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balm and Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback. So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast.